Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. All right, well, as I said before, uh, I'm so excited for the future God has for Westside. I, I do wish Pam and I lived a little nearer, but we don't. But uh, it's, it's uh, God's plan is unfolding, and I'm so very grateful for that. And uh, it's kind of fun. This morning when I greeted uh, your new pastor, I called him Most Holy Reverend, Pastor Josh. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Annoying to him, but it was fun for me, so that was, that was great. Um, anyhow, grateful that you're here. Uh, I just found out that there's been some kind of scamming going on that's supposed to happen at the end of the service. If you see Pam and I bolt out as soon as I'm done preaching, it's because we're not comfortable with surprises. Boom, we're gone. Anyhow, now we'll be here. So we're going to conclude our series that, that we titled Marked. We've been in the gospel of Mark for the most part, except for one week when I wasn't. Uh, today I want to talk about Marked by Repentance, but I want to begin by asking you a question. Have you ever done something that you were certain you would never do? I appreciate your honesty. For, okay, now we're starting to flow with honesty. This is good. I... I have, I'm not going to tell you all of mine. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a good thing. You know, you never thought you'd get the girl or guy you ended up with. I never thought, it's pretty obvious to you, that I would get Pam, ever. Yes, I got her. She's mine forever and ever. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, or maybe you never thought you'd own your own business, and you do. And that's great. You know, the doing things that I thought I'd never do, for me, there's usually a longer list of, of disappointing things, to be honest with you, or negative things. You know, uh, you're declaring your love for your spouse at the altar, and you never, ever thought that you would speak to them the way that you did. I've been guilty of that one. Um, or maybe, maybe, because uh, there's some younger folks in here, maybe you were so pumped to get out of the house and live on your own, and you got a roommate, which is kind of on your own, but not really, but you're on your own, and like your friendship went in the toilet because they don't clean up after themselves, or they're always late with their portion of the rent or whatever the case might be, and a relationship is lost, and you never thought you'd terminate a relationship over the difficulties that you find in living with someone. In Mark, we're talking about gospel encounters, encounters Jesus has with people of the street, and uh, today, uh, it's a Christ is the main part of the story, however, he's not involved in exchanging information. Um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. Obviously, it's a fairly long passage of Scripture. And this is my challenge to you. And I think you probably do it every week anyhow, because I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but I am going to preach from it. And so what I would challenge you to do is go home and read it, it, it in its entirety. And if you find that I misrepresent the truth or anything like that, send me an email 
or send one to Gianna preferably and she'll pass it on if it's not too, too caustic. Anyhow, I, I challenge you to, to read that. But, but this portion of scripture, I want to look at a guy who I believe does something he never ever thought he would do. Now, John the Baptist is in the story. JTB, he's in the story. That's good. And, um, uh, whoops, we lost Mrs. Pastor. I, I don't know what happened there. That's funny. Anyhow, that's such a beautiful laugh. I don't even know where I was. Okay, John the Baptist, he's in the story. There's a gal named Herodias. There's a guy named Herod Antipas. He's in the story. And uh, it's just, it's fascinating Story, but you know John the Baptist, he's the, you know, kind of the cousin thing and the forerunner and the follower of Jesus, right? We all know who John the Baptist is? Wake up, do we all know who he is? Okay, whoo, good job. So I'm reading this story and, um, and I'm trying to figure out, what, you know, which character in the story do I identify most with? And I'm thinking it'd really be cool if it was John the Baptist, but it's not, I'm more like Herod Antipas. And it just bugs me because in, in Herod's situation, we're, we're going to talk about it, but Herod becomes known really, especially in church history uh, from day one till now, as his legacy is the murder of John the Baptist. How did that happen? Because oddly enough, as I read the story and kind of read between the lines a little bit, I don't think that the outcome that came about is what Herod wanted. I don't think it's what he wanted at all. It wasn't the vision for his life. In fact, I see a guy who, you know, is under kind of Roman influence and authority and all that kind of thing, but he's interested in spiritual matters. He has a desire to learn about uh, a better life and those kind of things. But it appears to me that he, like we do on occasion, made a series of choices that really put him in a pickle and cost John his head. And I think, if we're honest, I think we would all have to say that we make choices throughout life, whether you're very young or very old, we make choices throughout life life that sometimes lead us to places that we wish we never ended up. Can I get an amen? Anybody felt the pain of that? A poor choice here and there, and all of a sudden, how did I end up here? So Herod Antipas, and I'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute, he, he converses with John, he protects John, he acknowledges John is righteous and good. He liked being around John. That's kind of intimated in the story, both in this text and others. And it looks like a perfect recipe for John the Baptist to direct, lead, inspire um, Herod towards Jesus. Amen? It kind of looks like it's going that way. It's a beautiful thing. Again, I challenge you, read the text in its entirety. And if you don't like what you hear from me today, let me know. You can let the church council know and they can fire me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with y'all, kind of. So, so, so anyhow, even though there was this kind of cool relationship, Herod, the, the story just crumbles. It gets horrible. Herod goes on to do something he, he never thought he would do. And, and I'm convinced it wasn't part of his plan. However, as we mentioned before, that 
Decisions that we make have costs and consequences, and we end up sometimes in unthinkable situations. So since you asked who is Herod Antipas, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. His dad was Herod the Great. You guys uh, like do any history stuff? Anybody like any history? Herod the Great, he, he like built so many cool things, and he was powerful. Anyhow, so his dad's Herod the Great, but his dad, the Herod the Great, he's the one... Uh, who said, kill all the babies two years and under around the time of Christ's birth, okay? So he's great, but he also did his part to try and thwart God's plan. Well, uh, when Herod the Great dies, his kingdom is actually divided in kind of little sub-kingdoms. I mean, you really couldn't call them a kingdom, but they are anyhow. And Herod Antipas and his brother or half-brother are appointed as tetrarchs, which is a cool name, and it's fun to say. I'm thinking it's more like governorship or something. They really shouldn't be called kings, although they're addressed as kings in the text, and that's fine. So um, Herod Antipas is tetrarch of Galilee. 70% plus of Jesus' ministry took place in Galilee. So, so uh, Antipas, he knows, he knows John the Baptist. We know that because they have a relationship. He knows who Jesus is. And all that kind of cool stuff, but wait, there's more. His first marriage, he's married to a lady, and I can't pronounce her name. Can you tell us it? Scholar, Phasalus or Salius or something like that. It's an arranged marriage, and so he's married to her. But here's the cool part. Just like today, people did stupid stuff back then. So Herod Antipas takes a road trip to Rome, and he has an affair with his brother's wife, Herodias. Oh, how exciting. Boy, does it mess things up. Really, really mess things up a bunch. Okay, so they leave their respective spouses and they're together. You know, match made in heaven. It's gonna be blessed by God, right? Probably not. There's a couple more good things about Antipas. He was a little bit less hostile towards Judeo-Christian lifestyle. In fact, he was so noble that he would not allow his uh, face to be stamped on the local coins like others because he didn't want to offend the Jews or the, maybe the Christians for that matter. We know he had a, re- a relationship with John the Baptist. I was going to say JTB again, but I know she's going to start laughing. So somehow, somehow Herod goes from a spiritual curiosity, openness to the gospel, interested in the things John the Baptist had to say to killing his friend. Now I read the story, I'm going, how in the world does that happen? Well, one poor decision after another poor decision and not listening to the truth. And we're gonna bring this to home for all of us here in just a little bit. I think there's some things that we can learn from this story about John the Baptist and and Herod and Herodias and the daughter dance and all that kind of stuff. We can learn some things that will keep us from moving down the road towards regret and pain. Paying the price for our poor decision making. Uh, so the Apostle Paul, you know, he wrote so much of the New Testament and all that kind of thing. He's got his, uh, a protege. 
a guy named Timothy. I want to read a short passage from there, uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 19, because I think it kind of speaks to this decision-making and holding strong to our faith and all that kind of stuff. Paul says this, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Now, I just wonder if that principle, that truth, isn't what took place with Herod, because he was like right on the edge of moving into a faith relationship. He was curious about things. John's telling him the truth. And for some reason, Herod chooses not to listen and ends up shipwrecked. And I, whatever life he had after this, which wasn't terribly long, um, it was full of regret. So I, I want to suggest a couple things that when we are marked by or with repentance, we can avoid a life of regrets. The first thing that I think we learn from the story is this, is that we need to get good at telling or, or giving or speaking and receiving truth. Truth. Um, how many of you are like middle child syndrome? Like I'm, I'm right in the middle. There's a middle, yes. How much do we love confrontation? Don't we love it? I always keeping the peace. Are my older sisters okay? Is my little brother okay? You know, it, it, it even affects how I work with the staff because I always got to know, am I okay? Did I offend you? Have I done anything? It's just, it's a disease. It's terrible. But maybe we all, to some degree or another, struggle with confrontation. I'm not sure. Like, I, I, even in my role here, I know I'm, I'm supposed to, like, teach and mentor and guide. And, and it's like this tumultuous thing when I know I have to have a conversation with somebody on staff about doing something a little different. Have you ever thought about this? Because I, because I want to be liked. And it's just terrible. Middle kids, are you with me? Kind of. All right. Well, one thing I know about JTB is he doesn't skirt the truth. He just fires it out there. And Herod's problems started by not receiving the truth. Chapter 6 of Mark, verses 17 and 18. She, this is speaking of Herodias, had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod... John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. Now, there has to be a level of depth in their relationship for John to even say that kind of stuff to a tetrarch. So, but the thing that I want to bring up about this is the point about John had been telling Herod. Um, now, I know they didn't have Facebook. What, what took the name of Twitter? Is it Z or X or does anybody care X? Like nobody really cares. Instagram. You know, um, I love the text because it says John spoke directly to the violator. But you know what happens today in this social media crazed world? You get ticked off at me about something, and then it's out there forever. And uh, have we lost the art of compassionate, loving, caring confrontation? Hey, uh, Tom, you know, you walked right past me at church on Sunday and I felt bad. 
and I can say, I'm so sorry. Do you have any idea how bad I was trying to get to the bathroom or something like that? You know what I mean? It's like sometimes we misunderstand half the things that we get offended by. John saw a problem and he was willing to tell the truth. Um, do you, and, and I wish I could say all your names and address each one of you, do you have love and compassion that is deep enough and you care about your relationships in this community and other places where you're willing to say with love and grace and truth, I care about you, but can I share this with you? It's an art, but it's something that we've lost, I believe, in the community of Christ. Ephesians 4, verse 25, scripture tells us this, stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Here, neighbors is in reference to the community of Christ followers. Now, over the years of my spiritual journey, which have had some great high points, and terrible low points. Isn't that right, babe? On both accounts or just the low points? Where you come? Okay. Um, there have been men and women, uh, people that walk close with God, and actually God even used some kind of strangers in my life to speak truth to me, challenging truth about how I honor Pam. What, what about uh, my integrity? What about generosity? Um, so... Without those people speaking those challenges into my life, I, I'm pretty certain uh, that my journey would have been even more difficult than the confrontation itself. Do you follow what I'm trying to say? It's a very important thing uh, to hear. They saw something that needed to be spoken. So the, the fact of the matter is more life change has taken place in my journey with Jesus when I graciously received truth-telling than when I delivered truth. So in other words, some of you are going, oh, I'm so excited. I'm a truth-preaching fool. I just want to let them have it. Uh -uh. I think until we get really good at receiving truth graciously, maybe we ought to be a little slow on spewing what we think is truth. Because receiving truth is quite important. Let's test the waters a little bit. What's your reaction when a supervisor tells you you need to improve? A little defiance maybe? Or when the boss says, hey, around here we actually start work at eight. You don't show up at five after. A little agitating, I know, I'm a boomer. Go ahead, chalk it up to that, whatever. But how do we respond to that? Do we want to grow? Do we get defensive? Or what about your spouse when he or she says to you, hey, babe, this one thing you could really, well, actually two things you could work on. How do we respond? You're lucky to have me. We get all swole, whatever that's called, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. We, we got to be decent at receiving. How about when a friend says, oh, yeah, you call that casual drinking? You bristle up a little bit. Maybe it's just love. Well, Herod didn't handle, you can't handle the truth. Herod didn't handle the truth very well. Neither did Herodias. Uh, chapter 6, verse 19. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. Wouldn't it be fun to be married to a person like that? That is so crazy. I mean, we wouldn't kill anyone, would be, but we, 
might impugn their character on social media so other people know just how rotten they are. I've seen that. I've been the recipient of that. In fact, becoming a lead pastor, my young friend, you're gonna take shots that you don't even deserve, that aren't even true. Aren't you lucky to be the next lead man here? Give it up for the new pastor. Love that guy. Okay, I hope you put back the pieces together. <laughs> oh, golly. So why would John focus on the marriage thing? I think, I think God gave him insight and wisdom into how this marriage is gonna affect Herod for the rest of his life. Now, time won't permit me to tell you all the cool intricacies of, you know, Herod and Herodias and all that kind of thing. But I do know this, that in 39 AD, she became jealous about someone else's leadership influence, devised a plan that was gonna benefit uh, her husband Antipas and herself, and she ends up causing him, the both of them, to lose all the influence that they had, and they were exiled. What a great plan. I think... John saw the difficulty ahead for, for Herod and for Herodias, although he didn't have the level of relationship with her. Herod ignored the truth, and it cost him everything. Now, <clears throat> a little caveat for today's message. I mentioned it a moment ago, because some of us think we're pretty good at firing off the truth. And that's okay. Some of you that have prophetic gifting that leans towards Truth and truth matters more than anything. Um, truth without grace is caustic, toxic, and painful. Grace without truth is sloppy agape. There's a balance that we must seek, and the Lord will give us that balance. Having an established relationship and trust and compassion and love, all those things must be a part uh, before anyone really cares what level of truth we might have to offer them. Proverbs 7, verse 6. Um, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So let's grow in, in telling and receiving truth. Uh, the second thing is this. Choose our pain carefully. Back to the story. So John confronts Herod, and Herod has two options. Both options have an element of pain. Option number one, embrace the truth. Repent, move forward. Pain and discomfort maybe for a short period of time. It's immediate. The ego takes a hit. Um, confessions, apologies, and you know, seeking forgiveness follow. But it uh, accelerates that moment when we step into restoration and healing, it comes quicker. Or option number two, we can ignore the truth, which I'm really good at. Let me ignore the truth because it'll go away, spare myself any temporary pain, and I'll trade it for long-term pain and misery and a seared conscience. And that's what Herod did. He chose option two. Verse 26, chapter 6. Then the king deeply regretted what he had said. And uh, the, the Greek here, in, with deeply re regretted, it really, it really uh, suggests a anguish of the soul. Have you ever wounded or hurt someone so deeply that you finally, and the Lord gets a hold of you, and it's like your soul is in anguish because of what you said or how you acted or something like that? That's what we're, we're talking about here. 
And the thing that he had said that he regrets or is anguishing over is I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. We kind of know how the story goes. I'll fill in a few of the blanks. But that regret, that pain remained with Herod. And that's what option two does. I've heard the truth. I know the truth, but I'm going to do it my way. I've heard the truth. I know the truth, but I have a better way. Whereas someone who repents quickly is, I heard the truth. I know the truth. Oh, my soul, forgive me. I repent. Um, some of you may know there's a biblical commentator who's not with us anymore, but he's called Matthew Henry. This is what he says about kind of the torment of the soul. He says, a guilty conscience needs no accuser or tormentor, but only itself. The biblical word for option one, God's revealed it. I own it. I'm going to repent. That is called repentance. I don't want option two. I've tried to do option two. Perhaps you have as well. Own the sin, experience the sorrow about it, confess, receive forgiveness, the complete forgiveness that we have in Christ. Now, one thing I'd like to make clear in case I haven't been clear in the last six months that I've been here, God did not send his son to make bad people good. He did not send his son to make good people better. God sent his son to make dead people alive. That's a big difference. We were all dead in our trespasses, every one of us. And if you think you're not one of those, you haven't heard the full gospel. We were dead. Because of our faith in Jesus, we are now alive. I am so grateful for that. How about you? With, thank you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, getting all crazy today. So let's be people that choose the short-term pain so we can move on to repentance. Get good at telling and receiving the truth. Choose our pain carefully and uh, keep a calculator handy. Would you agree with me that many of our choices that we make, we fail to think about the cost until we're walking in the midst of the cost of the choices that we made. That's what Herod did. He ignores John's advice. It comes at a cost. He throws a big party, and I'm adding to the text, with excessive volumes of alcohol, costly. His daughter dances. Some would say it's his stepdaughter or whatever, but whatever. She dances. That's got to come as a cost, maybe to her psychologically. I mean, that'd be kind of creepy, and not in that culture, but in ours. Their relationship's ours, so that comes at a cost. Whatever you want up to half my kingdom. There's no way he could have imagined what she was going to ask for. No way. But he wasn't counting the cost along the way. I mean, Herod, he was full of spiritual curiosity, like some of us here. But he never was willing to fully surrender, fully commit to who he had learned Jesus was. Imagine with me, as I like using my imagination, imagine with me what it would be like to rewrite Herod's story like this. Oh, he listened to the truth of John the Baptist and he helped advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine how many people would be preaching about Herod Antipas because he made good choices based on the 
return on investment and cost factor, but he didn't. And we cannot rewrite his story. No one can rewrite his story. But I've got good news for you. Almighty God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his great love and his great grace, by way of his son, Jesus Christ, rewrites the human story all the time. I hate to think about what my story would be had Jesus not laid a hold of the pen began writing. My question to you, will you listen to the truth? The truth that you hear at a weekend message, the truth that you hear from a loved one or a friend, the truth that you glean from God's holy word as you pour through it. Will you listen to the truth and will you and I choose the right kind of pain? Back when I was a kid, I got to tell you this. I know I'm going long. I got to tell you this story. Back when I was a kid, we had a black and white TV. We could only watch it on Saturdays. I know. It's like abuse, isn't it? <laughs> there, was a, there was a company that was in existence back then. They were called Fram. They made oil filters. Anybody remember Fram oil filters? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. They'd have this commercial. It didn't impact my mom and dad at all, but I was floored by it because this old, cruddy, greasy mechanic, he'd, you'd see him and behind him, he'd, he'd tore up this engine in this car and uh, he'd, he'd pull up the Fram oil fi filter into sight. So you can see the filter, but you can also see all the tools and the mess in the engine. And he would say this, I think they cost like $4.99 back then, an oil filter. I don't know what we pay for them now. I haven't changed the oil in 40 years. But he pulls up the filter and he goes, all right, you can pay me now for the oil filter. Or what does he say? Or you can pay me later. The whole engine rebuild. So here's the thing about repentance. We will all repent one day. And God in his great love says, hey, Jesus has paid it all. Just receive it now. But you might not get the opportunity later. Jesus has paid the price fully. So when you hear truth from a friend, from the word, from preaching, whatever, be people that respond. And you're going to hear a lot of truth every Sunday as the Lord leads our, our new pastor and the church into the future. It's going to be great. Will you bow your heads with me? Uh, worship team, I think you guys come up. Prayer team, you guys can come up. I'm going to ask one question. I want to honor Gianna's request to have a little extra time, but I do want to ask one question. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd like to know, is there, <clears throat> is there anyone in here today who would say, you know, I've heard the truth about Jesus at different stages in my life. Um, you see, Jesus was a sinful or sinless person. He, he came to this planet and lived a perfect, sinless life. He was falsely accused. He was crucified and killed and buried, and he rose from the dead. And the only way that 
we are made right with a holy and righteous God is to recognize that Jesus is who he claimed to be and that we are not, that he is the savior of the world and that we are sinners and we need to yield the lordship of our lives over to him. If there's anyone here today that would say, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to follow him today. I want to repent today. I ask you to raise, raise your hand heavenward right now. Just lift them up. Hold them up high, please. Lord bless you. God bless you. He loves you. He cares for you. Are there any others that would join these and say, yes, today is my day. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these who have, who have said yes to you. I pray, Lord God, that you'll continue to work in all of our hearts, drawing us closer to you. May we be people who repent quickly, promptly. Would you please rewrite our story for your glory? Amen. Amen.